Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather. And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts. And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey friends, welcome to the show. It's Heather here, and we have a very special guest on the show today, another Mark, and this Mark is Mark DeVries. And so Mark is the president of Ministry Architects, and he also is a very long-time youth worker, written a number of books, one of my favorites being Sustainable Youth Ministry, and that's how I got connected with working with Ministry Architects. I work as a staff consultant with them, and so I know Mark and love him and his heart for people and his heart for Jesus and just a tremendous guy and really enjoy him and um, remember uh, times at his house there hanging out, asking us awkward questions and being (laughs) like, all right, let's do this. That thing about the, I'm not even going to talk about it on our podcast because I feel like it might make our our listeners feel like that's awkward, but Hey, you know what? It's great and it's fun. And um, so Mark here is with us today to tackle a fun question with us. And so Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so happy that part of part of my uh, resume was that I'm a friend of Heather and, and FOP. <laughs> that's, that's a key piece of my resume. Yeah. Right on. That's right. Should I write that on my resume? Should that be on I think there? It, I think it should. Only if you want a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> how, long, how long have you been doing youth ministry, Mark? Um, well, I was I was at uh, First Pres here in Nashville for 28 years and then wow. had another eight years before then. So whatever that works out to be. Sure. And as we talked about in the pre-show, Mark one day hopes to be old enough to go rollerblading. So mm-hmm. it's coming. It's you have to have solid goals. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that's right. So, well, hey, we've got a fun conversation today with Mark, and we really want to glean from his wisdom. And uh, so here's the question today. So one of a rabbi's highest goals was to invest in his disciples in such a way that they would go out and make their own disciples. So can you comment on the growing trend of students leaving the church post high school and why we're not seeing students replicate their faith like the rabbis and disciples of the first century? And what role can we as youth workers play in helping our students become disciple makers? And how can we encourage the parents of our teens in this process too? Wow, there's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah, let's dive in. Um, Well, you know, as as we think about, you know, Jesus as, as our rabbi, we think about the ways that Jesus did discipleship. Um, Yeah. It's very, um, it's pretty non-content specific. I mean, the the sort of American way of discipleship is pour the information in the top of the kids' heads, make sure they learn this, this, and this. And um, and there's, there's, of course, nothing wrong with, you know, understanding, knowing, mastering, being able to, to uh, literally play with the stories of Scripture. Um, but what, which is what I think Jesus did when he provoked his disciples with parables, right? He just said... Sure. Yeah, figure this. Yeah, y'all have a nice day. Um, think about what Jesus did when he calls his disciples. You know, he he calls them first of all, calls them by name. I think that's pretty important. 
um, we get the list of all 12 of these folks. And some for some of them, it's the only time we hear their name in the whole Bible. But he mm-hmm. calls them by name. And um, that's a little different than I want to get as many kids as possible crammed into this room. Jesus, oh, wow. Jesus starts by calling them by name, right? And, mm-hmm. yeah. and then it says he called them that they might be with him. Mm-hmm. So think about the way we do we do discipleship. We give maybe maybe if we're really organized, we have a discipleship notebook. We have a curriculum. We we teach kids the essentials of discipleship uh, about one hour a week, which is really different than twenty four hours a day. <laughs> and uh, so so yeah. that he might be with him. And then this is the fascinating thing: Jesus sends them out, sends them out to cast out demons, (laughs) right? These are the rookies. These are the guys just starting. He says, like you do. I know, I know what you guys should do. Why don't you just go do some exorcisms and come back and tell me how it goes. Uh, (laughs) Do some healing and tell me how it goes. Um, Yeah. Go preach somewhere where they don't want to hear from you and tell me how it goes. Jesus essentially invited his method of discipleship was, Y'all go do something impossible and then come tell me how it goes. That's really mm-hmm. different than, you know, if kids stay around until their senior year, we might let them be on a committee yeah. and they can right. decide whether we go bowling or putt-putt. Wow. So I hear you saying that a lot of times our MO is, first of all, knowledge focus. Like mm-hmm. what's the curriculum we're going to use sure. or what is my teaching series going to be as if they just absorb it completely. Uh, versus relational ministry. And then secondly, we set an extremely low bar sometimes. Yeah. Like basically, can we get them to keep showing up? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And even, yeah. I mean, even the step toward focusing on curriculum is a step up from, I just got to get them to walk in the door. Let's, let's do whatever we can do to get them to walk in the door. And, and you know, the truth is y'all know this, the, the least sticky sort of youth ministry is the one that depends on, you know, the most zippy, most exciting, most mm-hmm. latest, greatest, radical, on fire, greatest yep. workshop, shot fog machines, t-shirts. Sure. Yeah. But but that's often for many folks the doorway. Uh, that's the only. That's that's as far as the as far as discipleship goes. Get them in the door and hope they catch they catch it. And I'm just suggesting that it is time for us to move from kids as spectators and consumers of spiritual services to being agents of ministry. Yeah. So how does that happen? Say again? How does that happen then, Mark? Well, I think we we use Jesus' model. We we find a way to let them step into ministry for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Let me give you an example. So... um, when I was when I was a youth pastor back back in the day, uh, I somewhere in that process, my son was working as a as a youth director under me, which was so fun. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that Adam did is he created this group called the Extravaganza Squad, and the Extravaganza—that's a great name. The, <laughs> there you go. Yes. Their whole goal, they, well, they had a motto, and they would gather before everybody gathered on Sunday morning. Their whole goal was. We'll feel awkward so you don't have to. Here. They they were responsible to take the step of awkwardness. It's mm-hmm. 
it's, it doesn't feel risky or challenging or hard to sit in a committee meeting and say, oh, I think we should talk about sex and dating instead of the gospel of John. Mm-hmm. But going up to a stranger and saying hi, knowing that they might roll their eyes at you, that mm-hmm. takes that takes some risk. And so, yeah. And, but I mean, the truth is, if we want to engage young people, nobody engages young people quite like young people. <laughs> if I stand at the door and have a five minute mm-hmm. conversation with a new kid, they're going to say, why am I talking yeah. to the principal? Um, they're going to want to get out of there. As <laughs> possible. But if. If they are talking with another kid who says, hey, come, why don't you come over here and hang out with us? That mm-hmm. that makes all the difference in the world. So I think what I hear you saying is our role as adults is to train kids to do the work and we get out of the way. Well, um, I, I would nuance it a bit. Uh, invite kids. I mean, I, yeah. I think churches, <laughs> especially uh, the the women of the church group, they are delighted to invite kids to serve for the spaghetti supper. Mm. Everybody's happy to, to get kids to do the work, right? It's different to do the work and actually lead, lead ministry. So I've sat in meetings where I've basically said your idea of involving the students Mm -hmm. is giving them all the dumb jobs that you don't want to do. And then saying you're teaching them to be disciples and serve. Like I've literally had that conversation. Totally. And and the truth is once you are at a point of discipleship, it's great to invite them into serving in the life of the church and doing all the grunt jobs and cleaning the toilets on the mission trip. Fabulous. But if we want faith to stick, I gotta, Mm -hmm. I gotta believe the most profound thing we can do is actually launch kids into ministries and and, and our work really is to help them discern what it is that breaks their heart, what, what mm. ministry that God has made them for, and help them yeah. feel the power of actually doing something about it. And then we come behind them and fund them. We support them. We mentor them. We introduce them. But it's got to, it's, I really believe it's so important for it to be their idea or, you know, a group of their idea, right? And it, it doesn't, this doesn't mean what they're going to do forever, but to, to let kids have the, the agency to decide this is where I'm going to make a difference. And here's my qualifier. It doesn't have to work for it to work. Huh. When Jesus gave disciples agency about the demons. Yeah. They could work or not work. What, what, what was profoundly, what was <laughs> profound <true>. was <laughs> they went out there, risked their reputation, risked their, their sort of sense of self-protection. They went out and risked yeah. something. If a kid starts a little, you know, car wash enterprise mm-hmm. to fund wells in Uganda and they only raise $30, nothing wrong with that. Sure. Uh, right. Right. But, yeah. but often in ministry, we think they're, oh, well, mm. that idea will never work. I'd rather have a lousy idea that fails that a kid leads than a brilliantly planned smoke-filled room, everybody hands in the air worship program that that they're going to remember like my wife remembers Fair Fawcett's hair. <laughs> Do you think that's the like connection between I I know that culturally America is really sliding towards post-Christian in some sense and ministry is harder than it it was a generation ago. However, does that make the connection for how many kids are growing up and want very little to do 
with faith. The last two churches I've served at, the pastor's own kids were apathetic Mm. and just could give or take church, even though they grew up having to be there. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, I think it really it really starts with that that walking alongside like, um, you know, the kid is a little bit ahead of us and they are setting the pace. They're 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 pace setting for us. We're listening, responding, yeah. and we're there when they're ready to make a move. But a lot of times what we do is we get way out in front and we say, why can't you yeah. be this spiritual? Why can't you be? And so we create yeah. these programs for the kids. I mean, sometimes the most um, spiritually sensitive, awake kids are the ones that res- most resist the sort of uh, traditional factory approach of youth ministry. Come to these meetings. Yeah. You're going to go to summer sure. camp. You're going to cry on Friday night. We're all going to come back. We're going to have a reunion tour and eat tacos, and it'll be fun, and then we'll forget about it in a month. Um, I like the silly tacos, but I mean. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. No, it's true. In discipling my own kid's heart, we attend church and he goes yeah. to camp and all that. But the moments I'm actually looking for sure. are when he decides to be merciful in the cafeteria mm-hmm. and comes home and tells me how it went. That's right. that's to me, he's trying to take steps and I want to go out of my way to say, that's the Jesus way. Like yeah. keep going that way. So, Mark, it sounds to me like you're challenging the youth ministry community to make a radical shift or a shift backwards, right? And that, and it's you're jiving with a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that Mark and I have been, you know, wrestling through in our own journey of faith with the Lord. And so, how do we do this as a youth ministry community? How do we get back to go forward? I love that question. Well, the. Uh, <laughs> The, I, I, you sort of want to be a subversive. Um, if if you go to your if you go to your senior pastor and give a big speech about consumerism and kids are spectators and they need to have greater agency, um, yeah. the senior pastor will sort of nod. But if you mm-hmm. change a program, yeah, like if you say we're no longer going to have Sunday school or no longer have youth group. Um, that's when you're going to lose your job, right? Right. You got to be a little bit strategic about this. And so you can keep the form and change the substance. So continue to have, have that Sunday school class, but in Sunday school, give kids a chance to share about their dreams, right? You're, you're, you're really in, Mm -hmm. in everything you do, you're inviting agency. You're inviting, what is God calling you to do? And, and, and it's really different than let's read this verse in the Bible and say, how does that apply to you? Sure. That's, that's right. traditional <laughs> small group. Sure. Yeah. This is, um, uh, we may not get to the Bible until they've all had a chance to say, this is what's happening inside of me. And mm-hmm. we listen enough yeah. to be responsive rather than mm-hmm. prescriptive. And I think so much of our, our, our attempts at discipleship impose on kids the assumption that we know where they are and we just don't if we don't listen but frankly people in ministry are not great listeners mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we're, good, we're good talkers we love to <laughs> yeah. talk and we figure if we give a great talk and the kids go mm, a few times then we're really we're really nailing 
the truth is, it's not the right. number of mm, and I per love minute. to ask it people really about. No, no, go ahead. No, right, and I I love to ask people all the time when they're thinking about student ministries. Do you remember the top two or three talks or yeah. sermons that right. change your life? I don't. I sat through a lifetime of them, and I remember next to none of them. Mm-hmm. But I remember the people that have transformed my life yeah. and have come alongside of me and believed in me mm-hmm. and let me try stuff. I remember those people um, intimately, and I will never forget some of those people that have shaped me. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal of relational youth ministry, that you're that person for your kids. And we always overrate ourselves as teachers, and we definitely overrate how much of our teaching is being absorbed. Sure. And the reality is right. we serve students way better to come alongside of them. Yeah. Like you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning. You said, you know, Jesus called them by name. And I remember when I was sitting in that um, sustainable youth ministry thing at the Simply Youth Ministry Conference and you and Jeff Dunrankin, uh, you had a tell our names, say our names. And you guys went around that entire room and remembered every single one of our names. And we're talking, there was probably close to 50 people in there. Yeah. I, I could say there was probably 30 to 50 people in there. Um, and you knew, and you memorized every single one of our names. And I, I was blown away by that. And I was so challenged by that. Mm. And I, to me, that spoke something to me. It said a personal connection. And I wonder how many of our listeners actually know their kids' names, right? And so that was a very powerful moment for me when you did that, because it made me think when you were talking earlier about connecting um, Jesus when he called him by name. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that, Heather, because um, first of all, I'm glad you have a poor memory. And and think that we remember everybody's name. Uh, that's you did. Right. I swear you did. In my mind, you did. Uh, secondly, um, that's a gr- when we think about parent ministry, we think about family ministry. It all starts yeah. with knowing the parents' name. And yeah. most of the time, what what youth workers do are are sort of disciplined for family ministry is we complain about the parents. Sure. Right. Yeah, that's that's what we do. Uh, and and the second thing we do is we try to have programs for them. Please. You know, I was 20 years old and I was trying to do a parenting seminar. And then mm-hmm. I was mad that the parents didn't come to my parenting seminar as sure. a 20 year old. Right. Um, yeah, that's too close to home. So, <laughs> very true. Um, but what we can do sort of beneath the program is we know the parents by name. And let me tell you. As a parent, you know, my kids are all grown now, but as a parent, I remember the the youth leaders that came up to me and celebrated my kids. And they said, let me tell you, we just had the greatest discussion and your daughter is one of the most profound thinkers I've ever heard. Or I just love the way your son put his arm around the kid that was hurting. There's just so, so much power. If you want, If you want power with parents as a youth worker, Bless the parents, know the parents, find ways to celebrate the kids. Cause most of the parents are like, Oh gosh, if you're going to call and tell me about my kid, I feel nervous already. Um, right. wow. Who knows what mess they've gotten into hearing. Mm. Think about how many times your parents f- heard good news about you 
intentionally for some other adult outside the family. It's a huge leverage point for youth pastors. And most of the time we're so busy planning an event or writing our talk, which I don't have time to do that kind of nonsense because I'm writing a talk that they're all going to forget. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a great point. This has been such a good discussion, Mark. I wish we could have you on for another 45 minutes, but we always like to keep our episodes around 20 minutes. And so I know that this has been a very beneficial conversation for a lot of people. It's challenged me and it's got me thinking about my own youth ministry and ways that we can make shifts and do better and phone calls that I need to make to some parents. And so, um, you know, I would encourage everybody to check out Mark's work. Uh, he's a brilliant thinker. He's a forward thinker when it comes to youth ministry. He'll and remember your name every time. Remember your name. That's right. <laughs> Sally and Jim, I really love being with you. Sally and Jim. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, Mark uh, Schaefer, would you like to tell the folks where to go if they'd like to connect with us a little further? Oh, actually, I want to tell them something else. Sure. I mean, of course, they can go to First Century Youth Ministry and find all sorts of cool stuff helping you go farther, faster with looking back for the way forward yeah. for youth ministry. But Heather and I have some cool cats that we're letting out of the bag. The first one is we're like getting ready to sign y'all up for our Israel trip. In August of 2022, mm-hmm. we are taking a youth pastors only. We'll kick your senior pastor off the bus <laughs> trip to Israel to learn the fifth gospel of the land. And Heather and I's goal is that on that trip, you come home with the discipleship piece of your ministry uh, like planned for and ready to implement yeah. um, in the upcoming year. And then secondly, Heather and I just wrapped up just a six-lesson curriculum on the parables of Jesus. And the idea is to teach you first how to read those crazy stories that Jesus told and then to teach them to your kids in a way that's impactful and helps them take their next steps in becoming disciples themselves. And Heather and I are producing a cohort where you can hop on Zoom calls with us a few times and learn on the go how to understand every story that Jesus ever told in the gospel by looking at six of them closely with us. So those two things are coming hot and fast. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I just want to end the show too and just... uh just really thank Mark for his time here. I have a lot of respect for him. One thing that Mark has challenged me on in the years that I've known him is that he really does live what he says and he really does care about people. And he values the, the, the thing that I've loved the most about the people who have meant the most to me in my life is they are extremely generous with their time and how they invest in people. And that's what Mark has done. And God has blessed his work and his ministry because you can tell that when Mark's thinks about his day he thinks about who he can bless and so um it yeah. it really does show in the way that he lives his life and so everybody out there go and do the same and go be like jesus and thank you so much mark for your time <laughs> thank you mark All right, Great to cool. you. yeah you too see you guys next time bye all right bye everyone <laughs>